17, our guys, we have at least nine of them. Who knows? We might go crazy at 10, 11, 12. We'll see where our brains take us. That's Hayden Winks. I am Josh Norris. Again, today, we'll kind of preview the matchups, the games, the moments that we care most about this weekend through some of the players that highly, highly intrigue us. And as people know, they can check out your rankings and videos in the description down below. We want to start off with the, one of the teams in the top, right? Sure, the Chiefs. That would be easy with Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. But right next to them, Hayden, the Detroit Lions and one of our favorite players of the season, not just because of the touchdowns he scores, but how he scores them. It's Jamal Williams. And what happens after he scores those touchdowns, most importantly. Uh, yeah, Jamal Williams, this is one of these spots that I was just absolutely loving when I started the week. Uh, the tight or the the Lions now have the highest team total of the week up to 29 wow. points. Uh, that's ahead of the Chiefs. Uh, their touchdown favorites against the Chicago Bears. The Bears aren't really playing for anything. If you looked at uh, their injury reports, they're play- placing everybody on injured reserve. Uh, the Lions basically can win this thing through the air or on the ground. Which one will they attack? I'm not sure, but either way, I want some exposures here. I have Jared Goff as my quarterback six. I think D- uh, DJ Shark is a quality flex play. I have Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift inside my top 20, but Jamal Williams, because the team total is so high, he's the one that I'm planting the flag on this week. Right now, Chicago Bears 26 against fantasy running backs, 28th in rushing EPA, and most importantly, their second highest neutral run rate allowed. Offense is facing the bears are choosing to run the ball. I don't think you have to dare Dan Campbell to get that thing going. Uh, I would love nothing more than to be waking up hungover with Jamal Williams dancing on my TV screen. One last time. All right. They face each other back in week nine, 31 to 30 ball game. That's a 61 point scored. Uh, in this game, as you mentioned, it's 52, the highest of the weekend in that game though, Jamal Williams inside the 20 yard line. Do you want to guess how many carries he had? Give me four of them. Six. Wow. Dog. <laughs> Inside the 10, three. Um, and he scored a touchdown. You know, he had nine, excuse me, 11.9 fantasy points in that game. And the last time this season he scored a touchdown was, I believe, back in what, week 12 uh, against the Jaguars. And ever since then, he hasn't scored. And that's equaled 3.7, 3.3, and 1.4 points. And I actually think. Yep. People could still be in their fantasy finals without Jamal Williams getting there and being on their bench because of where he was available. You know, you couldn't say that about a lot of the other running backs that have not scored touchdowns in the last three weeks. So I think it's really easy to prop up and say, Jared Goff, as you did, and I'm on Ross St. Brown, and I think even DeAndre Swift could be frisky. But we know that no team specializes more in terms of falling short of the goal line inside the five yard line this season. And Jamal Williams is just that dude inside the one inside the two and inside the three this year. So like last week, obviously he, he's been a nothing in, in the box score recently. And I understand why, but if you look back and I, this is why I love these charts, looking at how the game progressed. If you look early on, Jamal Williams was getting a bulk of the work early on. Then what happens? The lions go down big and that's when he gets phased out. So I don't really like looking at his snap rates and all that stuff. He's very game script dependent, but this is a spot where the Lions have to win to make the playoffs. The Bears really don't care about the playoffs or anything like that. They're already locked up in the top five draft order. Uh, I just think that this is a spot where they're going to be desperate for Jamal Williams. And there's always that caveat of if they would just get rid of Justin Jackson for once in their lives, we would actually be able to get somewhere with DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams. So right now, I think the baseline is he's a touchdown dependent running back to 
but on the highest team total of the week. Exactly. I, I would say he has above 50% chance of finding the box. I feel like that formula has hit every single time this season when they're expected to score a bunch of points, especially when they're at home where the Jared Goff home and road splits are, you know, so binary this week, this season, it feels like that Jamal Williams gets home. Okay. Fun little game that we're going to kick off here in week 17, the last one of the season. I'm nervous. Just as like a little bring back. Okay. Justin Fields in the pick'em lobby. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to ask you to project his higher lower for rushing yards. What do you think it is? Uh, it's going to be like in the f- around 60 flat. Am okay. I close? You're off. Uh, 73 and a half. Higher okay, lower I- for his rushing yards. And I think that that's because the people keep taking higher. And so yes. they got to keep moving it up higher and higher. I so looking back, he only had three design runs. He had eight in the previous week, but that's when they weren't. Uh, they were still kind of frisky. I, I do wonder if they're going to try to keep Justin Fields in the pocket a little bit more because they know that he's yeah. such a dynamic uh, runner. Are they going to dial up some pass attempts and I actually have Cole Komet listed? This could be just a quick. One oh, yeah. Throw in at the that. end. Uh, but Cole Komet, this is just a tight end two streamer. He's not like my favorite tight end play. I actually have another tight end on this list. But the Bears have the 11th highest team total on the week. We have not been able to say that very often. So Justin Fields, even if I think that his rushing is going to be about average, nothing too nuclear in this game, I still have Justin Fields as my quarterback three because give me the 50, 60, 70 rushing yards and then this team total. And I think that Cole commits the one to kind of uh, win here. The, the Lions 28th against fantasy tight ends. Darnell Mooney, IR, Chase Claypool, uh, Equinemia St. Brown, still banged up on the injury report. So I think Cole Komet, he has been buried in my rankings like tight end 16, 17 recently. I moved him up. He's on the fringe of the top 10. You can do worse than streaming him. That makes me like David Montgomery and his higher at 58 and a half rushing yards because this is a two-person offense at the moment with Justin Fields and David Montgomery. And he's hit that higher 58 and a half, you know, against the Buffalo Bills, against the Green Bay Packers. And that was only on 16 rushing attempts and 14 rushing attempts. Like He he was still the guy. Right. This game, the total just screams to me that it's a... that could be a Dave Montgomery week, even though obviously Khalil Herbert, as you just showed, is is back. But it kind of still feels like just watching that game through the two for one that we came to expect. Exactly right. Highest, right. highest game total on the week is that game right there. All right. Let's stick in the NFC North. I'm going to throw out the uh, Green Bay Packers and specifically A.J. Dillon. Um, this is a game against the Minnesota Vikings. Packers are favored by over three points. I think three and a half right now. A total of 48 at the moment. So I wanted to throw out Packers for multiple reasons. One, I think they're playing their best football right now. And that might make me suggest, you know, Aaron Jones, because the Vikings really invite passes to the flats, as we talked about on this show over and over and over again. I would also love to say Christian Watson's name, but he might be out uh, because he is that explosive element against a pass defense in the Vikings that give explosive plays, even though the construction of their defense really tries to prevent big plays. But then that little birdie in my ear told me that, well, when Christian Watson was out earlier in the year, how did this offense look? And if you remember back in like week two, week three, week four, Aaron Jones was the sweep guy. Aaron Jones was the motion man across. And AJ Dillon was the one who was getting like the true running back snaps was getting, was the one who was dominating the touches as the single back back there. And the eye candy, the window dressing was all Aaron Jones. And so to me, if Christian Watson misses, they could revert back to that, even if Romeo Dobbs and Randall Cobb and 
Alan Lazard and everyone is out there. So in that week one game, not only did AJ Dillon get a bunch of rushing work, he also got five catches for 46 yards because he was still that check down guy who was working in the flats against this Vikings defense. So outdoors Lambeau field, it was a really nice start to the season for AJ Dillon. Then it was a really big Valley that we went into in the middle parts. And then now we're back in the December period where AJ Dillon's getting a ton of work. And I think this lines up for him once again, again, I want to say Aaron Jones and I think both could get there, but I really think that AJ Dillon's going to put a stamp on this game. Yeah, there's obviously some splits going on with uh, A.J. Dillon and his big thighs. But uh, last week, even, he was the one to get the inside the five-yard line touch. Aaron Jones is dealing with a little bit of an injury. And like you said, uh, very similar to the Jamal Williams stuff, is the Packers have the they're tied for the fourth-highest team total on the week here. Uh, it's a must-win ballgame for the Packers. They're going to be doing everything they can. And I, I think the, the Vikings' defense is kind of weak everywhere. Uh, they've been really weak against... Uh, the past, but I, I am with you that AJ Dillon does have reasonable odds to find the box. He's kind of like a, a running back two, three touchdown dependent type of guy here. Um, but like you said, I think this is one of the best weeks going into the week that you can project a touchdown. I kind of disagree that he's touchdown dependent. Okay. I wouldn't be shocked if he gets 18 touches this week. Like again, that week one, it's so far away. It's so long ago that, you know, Justin Jefferson just eviscerated this Packers defense and everyone was shocked at this Kevin O'Connell offense and why they just play zone and it was bust coverage over and over and over again. But where this team without Christian Watson, who has carried this offense at times in recent weeks because of the explosive plays, if he does not play, I think they have to revert back to this identity of, of really featuring A.J. Dillon. So I, I think there is a, a avenue to 16 to 18 touches for Dillon. Yeah, I, I think I'm I'm actually with you. AJ Dillon, uh, the RB six in production, the RB twenty in usage over the last month of the season. So RB twenty, that's kind of his baseline projection. I think that this matchup sets up a little bit better. Uh, while we're on the topic, though, I actually have Alan Lazard as one of my names as well. This is assuming that Christian Watson's not going to play. He hasn't practiced this week. He didn't seem like he was that close to playing. He was actually in street clothes uh, before the end of the game last week. Uh, if Christian Watson's out, Al Mazard has been pretty good before Christian Watson was balling out. Al Mazard was actually a top 20 uh, fantasy wide receiver. Last week, he had a season-high 18.4 expected half PPR points. Didn't do a whole lot with them, even over like the last month of the season. Uh, wide receiver 62 in production, but wide receiver 34 in usage. That's with Christian Watson balling out. Uh, if Watson is out, I like the matchup. Vikings dead last against fantasy wide receivers. They're fifth in neutral pace, so that's been one issue that the Packers have had is just play volume. There's a chance that there's a little bit more play volume in this game because the Vikings play fast, and he, I think he's been available because he's been so bad recently. Yeah. There's going to be somebody watching the stream that sees Alan Lazard available. You should pick him up, and I think that he is flexible this week. I actually have him like inside my top 25 uh, wide receivers this week, assuming Christian Watson is out. We'll learn more probably a Sunday morning about his status. And even though all of those big Christian Watson receptions have been imprinted in people's brains, it's not like Aaron Rodgers has been hitting a ton of passing yards every single week. Like just against Miami, the Rams, Chicago, it's 238, 229, and 182. And that's all games ranging from 30 to 38 passing attempts. Like a lot of the stuff is still very short to the flats. And then, boom, those big vertical shots down the field that he can still, you know, pinpoint past them. And like you said, if Watson isn't there, then Al Lazard is, is a type that has hit on some of those downfield passes this season. 
Uh, last note, just to round out the Packers for you and your AJ Dillon love. The Packers second in running back fantasy usage as a team over the last month of the season, only tra- trailing the Cowboys. Uh, speaking of David, Tony, Gabe, Travis, all of you in the chat, Gavin, welcome. Thanks for being here. Thanks for joining us all season long. By the way, all of you who refused to send this channel to your friends during the season because you thought it was like your little cheat code to help you win this year, the season's over. So put in the group chat, tell them about the underdog fantasy channel. We appreciate you. All right. Uh, I'm going to go over the Atlanta Falcons because we both have a name here. I'm going to kick it off with Tyler Algier. Um, The Falcons this week facing the Arizona Cardinals. The Falcons are favored as of this recording by three points. That might change because we just learned that the Cardinals are starting David Blau at quarterback. Uh, Atlanta has nothing to play for, but to me, they are still learning with Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot some pieces of this offense, right? Tyler Algier is... I think the dude in the backfield now, because just like what we saw at the end of last season, they were really tapering off Cordero Patterson's usage towards the end of the season. You know, makes sense. In the final three games of last year, it was eight touches, 11 touches, and five touches. You know, 24 total runs and receptions for Cordero Patterson. Last week, again, just eight. I bet he reaches about eight or nine this week as well. In the meantime, Tyler Algier is looking better than ever. This season, the Cardinals are a really bad run defense. I know JJ Watts had his moments and these are the final two games of his career, but I want you all to focus when watching on Chris Lindstrom, who's one of the starting guards for Atlanta Falcons. I think one of the best offensive linemen in the league, and he doesn't get a lot of credit for that as well. So, I mean, since week 10, the Cardinals have the third worst rushing defense, according to DVOA. And so while again, Desmond Ritter has changed this offense just a little bit in terms of opening up the passing game. The identity that they've instilled since the start is Tyler Algier, uh, excuse me, just running the game, running the ball. And I think Tyler Algier is their best avenue to doing it here in week 17. Classic post by rookie bump uh, last week, season high 19.8 expected half PPR points. That's because he played 62% of the snaps, which is higher than it is usually. Uh, I think because of the CPAT narrative, why give CPAT the ball? He's 31 years old. He's not part of the long-term future. But also because Algier got all three inside the five-yard line touches last week. And those goal line touches are going to be a little bit more important this week than they have been for the Falcons recently because the Falcons somehow, these Atlanta Falcons with Desmond Ritter, have an above average team total above 22 points this week. So yeah, I have Tyler, Tyler Algier as like my running back 24. I've had both of the Falcons running backs in like the RB thirties for like the last month. And I think I've felt pretty comfortable with that, but we're seeing a little separation between the veteran and the newcomer with the Falcons out of the playoffs. So I am with you with Tyler Algier. He's looked a little bit better. I just don't think he's a crazy player, but the environment right now is totally, totally solid. I mean, his, evaluation coming into the league is if something is created for him, he picks it up. He's done a little bit more than that. And I always point to that saints game and creating yards on his own. And when we get to this point of the season, when the teams and both these teams aren't making the playoffs, um, what is there to fight for? Well, for a rookie needs to prove that he is the due to head into next season for a team that has a lot of holes all over their roster, especially defensively. Will they then look to replace him with, another rookie running back next year in day two of the draft. No, this is the time to prove that you're the guy next year. You don't want to get Michael Carter. You know, very similar draft profile, same type of talent. And then all of a sudden you have all of a sudden uh, an elite potential running back in front of you. So I'm with you. Uh, Another post by rookie bump on these Atlanta Falcons. My guy, I'm not going to end this year without getting back on him is Drake London. Uh, First of all, I think Drake London has looked 
pretty damn solid uh, going over the middle. I don't think Desmond Ritter's played all that great, but without Kyle Pitts uh, in the last three games, Drake London's had at least 13.6 expected half PPR points, which doesn't sound like that's all that crazy, but it's led to wide receiver five overall usage. Now, I don't think that we should expect Drake London to be like an above average player against my model because the Falcons are so bad, but at the same time, they're above average when it comes to the team total. And the Cardinals just placed Buda Baker and Byron Murphy on injured reserve. This mm. is a tanking defense. They uh, even one of their uh, pass rushers, Zach Allen, who's like weirdly popped up all across this entire season. Uh, that's an edge rusher. Um, it's really just J.J. Watt riding out this retirement for, for the Cardinals defense. And Drake London, uh, they really want to see if Desmond Ritter could be a backup or potentially a starter. I don't think so. Uh, but they got to see what they can do with Drake London. All the targets have been really consolidating to him. And to me, as a prospect, he kind of reminded me of Michael Thomas and somebody that could average about 10 targets per game over the long term. And I think we're starting to see a little glimpse of that in the post by rookie bump. Yeah, he's just had two brutal fumbles over the last couple of weeks. And it happens again. This is we haven't seen like a huge explosion for Drake London yet this season. Uh, we've seen it for Garrett Wilson. We've seen it for Chris Olave. We've seen it for Rashid Shahid and like a couple of other rookies, you know, um, despite that, I'm going to be so in on Drake London heading into next year because he's like, I think, so consistent with the way that he wins outside, inside, short, intermediate, all that stuff. And I, I can totally see him. Uh, having a big week here. And uh, I'm not saying Desmond Ritter has looked good, but again, they are at least opening up and trying different things with the passing game compared to what they have been in the past. And always look for those inside breaking routes with Ritter. It seems like that's what he's most comfortable with. And that's where Drake London has been winning these last few weeks. Uh, I'll bring up one of those rookie wide receivers here and go over the Jets and talk about Garrett Wilson. Um, they're facing the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, it's based, It's a must-win game for yep. the New York Jets. And it's been brutal these last two weeks with Zach Wilson at quarterback. And it's so obvious when watching these games that Mike LaFleur and company do not trust Zach Wilson to throw the ball like they have with Mike White, like they have even with Joe Flacco. It's just simple here that with a quarterback who stands in the face of disruption and pressure and willing to take hits, the ball gets moved offensively for the Jets. And I think Mike White is even better than that. I think he's better than just a distributor here. And it helps that Seattle's been really bad at pressuring the quarterback. They've been really bad, both stopping the run. And while they have some pieces in their defensive backs group, since week 10, they're 26th in terms of the worst defenses against the pass, according to DVOA. Just two notes here. New York has converted 26.7% of their red zone possessions for first or for touchdowns i should say for their last 15 okay the seahawks have allowed a touchdown on 26 percent of opponent drives this season 30th in the league right so while the jets have struggled to really convert those four-point plays in recent weeks with mike white hurting his ribs and zach wilson out there at quarterback that can all change with the bad matchup uh, i should say with the good matchup with the bad being the Seattle Seahawks defensive backs and there's their defense in general. And I think Garrett Wilson is just going to prove that he's the best player on the field when the Jets offense is out there and when Seattle's defense is out there. Without Zach Wilson, Garrett Wilson's averaging 17.1 expected half PPR points. That's like elite status. He's a top 15 fantasy wide receiver for me. I know like the Seahawks are third against fantasy wide receivers because they got some absolute alphas at corner on the outside. 
Um, but I do think that Garrett Wilson's kind of a chess piece and you can move him around to get away from some of those matchups. And he's clearly their best skill player. And yeah, going up just, I went to sports info solutions, to kind of see the on off splits with Mike white. And it's actually insane. The catchable ball rate is 8% higher with Mike white versus any of the other jets quarterbacks. Right. Uh, the yards per dropbacks over a full yard higher with Mike white. And like the crazy thing is like the pressure rates, uh, Mike White feels pressure on 24% of his dropbacks. The other quarterbacks, 37%. They're inviting the pressure. He is actually even taking less sacks. The pressures that do come, he's evading sacks at a higher rate because he gets the ball out on time. And what is Garrett Wilson's best skill set to me? It is yards after the catch and winning in that underneath an intermediate part of the field. And you need a rhythm passer to pull that thing off. And Mike White is exactly that. So I'm with you. Uh, I see the higher lowers at 66 and a half receiving yards that would put him inside the top 20. I think that he is a player to get back in the lineup. It's been a complete roller coaster ride for the potential rookie of the year, but Mike white being in there is good news for Garrett Wilson. Undoubtedly. Yeah. You can always tail us here in the pick em lobby. The link is in the description down below. If you've never played pick em, week 17 is the perfect time to do it. Use promo code, the show when you sign up or again, click the link down below and it'll take you right there with your deposit match up to $100 the first time. And by the way, go play Battle Royales. Like week 17, the perfect time to test out Battle Royale. Six-person drafts. You never look at DFS the same after doing it. We also have a million-dollar tournament in for yeah. NFL playoffs. This is a million dollars. Just a million bucks. All right, who's next for you? Let's go with the post-buy rookie bump narrative again. Brian Robinson. Um, first off, I do think that going back to Carson Wentz is good news for the entire offense. I don't think Tyler, Taylor Heineke is any good. I think Carson Wentz is okay. I think this is a, a upgrade and they, uh, the commanders actually have an average team total this week at 21 points. Antonio Gibson was ruled out this morning. Uh, looking back at kind of the splits uh, from yesterday or from last week's game, uh, Jonathan Williams was getting involved a little bit, but if you notice it was at the very end of the game uh. when the commanders were losing big time, the game was basically over before that they were really trying to establish Brian Robinson. I think that's what they're going to do here again. Uh, I think the matchup is very good. The Browns are 30th against fantasy running backs. They're 32nd in rushing EPA allowed. Uh, Jadavion Clowney, uh, probably a better run stopper than pass rusher at this point. He's been in the concussion protocol. Uh, Over the last month, the commanders are at a 34% neutral pass rate. Um, And if they do pass more because they have Carson Wentz, I think that'll lead to more goal line opportunities long-term. And it just a week, with Antonio Gibson uh, leaving early, his workload was uh, dropped down even before leaving early. He had a season high 18.0 expected half PPR points in his post by rookie bump. This is a week where I have him inside my top 15 rankings. I don't think he's going to catch a bunch more passes. I think Jonathan Williams will have that role, but the commanders must win game. It yep. should be a close game. I think they might have a better chance of winning this one than they did last week. I think he's a top 15 fantasy play, and that's kind of great news for somebody that's probably been on your bench uh, for a large part of the season. And for that seven seed, right, Washington must win this week, and then they face the Cowboys next week. And I don't think the Cowboys are really going to have anything to play for once the Eagles probably take care of business against the Saints. And if that's the case, maybe the Cowboys do scale some people back, like with Dak Prescott or Ezekiel Elliott, especially with Tony Pollard not playing last night too. And so... Washington could have an easier path into the playoffs next week as well. So like winning, very important. Brian Robinson was supposed to be the dude entering this year. 
Unfortunate circumstances led him to not doing that, but we're all the way back. They're all the way back in this. Um, and Cleveland's defense has been like really hot and cold this year. Like Denzel Ward has had his moments for sure. Miles Garrett has had a ton of moments. But outside of that, as we've talked about a hundred times on this show, they do not care from an organizational standpoint of investing in big, beefy interior defensive linemen. They want guys who penetrate and they want guys who get up the field. And Washington can take advantage of that along their offensive line and move the people. And that's probably where Brian Robinson does his best work. Like he's not a 20 plus yard big play runner. It's grinded out for five, seven, nine yard gains. And this is the styling and that type of matchup, I think, on paper for me. Let's get it. Okay. Uh, On the other end of this, you and I both have David and Joku. David and Joku, not saying being slept on. I will add, though, like Evan Ingram has kind of stolen some of his late round tight end thunder where David and Joku for the vast majority of the season was that guy. Now, luckily, we talked about both of them heading into this year, so we get credit for both. But what I love about David and Joku is that when you remove that week 16 really bad weather game when actually Deshaun Watson's passing statistics should have been much better and was let down by Amari Cooper and a couple of other people. Again, if you ditch that, seven and a half yards excuse me, seven and a half targets per game, 60 yards per game in his healthy contest. David Njoku is averaging so far this year. Those are top five numbers, top five numbers. I'm sure he's there for your expected rankings at the position as well. So we haven't gotten the raw numbers, but if you dig a little deeper, the good numbers are there for David Njoku. And these next two weeks just need to build some level of consistency with what Deshaun Watson does well in the passing game. If it's Amari Cooper, heck, I could see a Donovan Peoples-Jones spike week here as well. But David Njoku is the type that you can script screens for, get him after the catch, and we know how athletic and different he is at the position. So I could see a big David Njoku week when considering the tight end position as a whole. There's nothing about the matchup that I like. This is pure what I think of him as a player and the positive regression candidate, even over the last month of the season with Deshaun Watson, who's played terribly, yep. extremely bad. David Njoku is still the tight end three in usage. The production has dropped down a little bit because of some weather, because of Deshaun Watson's performance. He's been the tight end 14 over the last month. But that stuff will even out because I know David Njoku is not only just an above average player. I think there's a, an, uh, a threat of him being an elite tight end in the NFL uh, so I'm totally with you. Positive regression candidate here, big time. In those in those ten healthy games, he's ha- had at least not average, at least eight point four expected half PPR Ooh. points. That is one of my favorite stats that we've talked about this entire season. It's a stat that you guys should remember next week. He's not just a spiked week player, even though he can take a seventy yard catch to the yes. house, which is what well, there's maybe five tight ends that can actually do that. He's actually a consistent player when it comes to the usage. Deshaun Watson just sucks so much ass re- recently that he hasn't been able to get there. But I do think that there's a chance that he balls out again. He is somebody that you should be plugging back into your lineup. And he's on the roster next year. Like we believe Amari Cooper is, but it might be on a restructured deal to get some guaranteed money in there. They might try to improve off Donovan Peoples-Jones. David Njoku is locked in as an every down tight end for this team next season. And when I watch Washington, some of their linebackers do like to get a bit aggressive in some of their angles. And I think maybe David Njoku can be the beneficiary of that and some of the misdirection as well. Um, Okay. I only have one more name. And my last name is Miles Sanders. So 
when we talk about peeling back the surface and looking a bit deeper on some of these matchups, yes. I mean, the Eagles, I think, are favored by six and a half points right now, just a total of 43 and a half. The Saints might not even have Alvin Kamara in this game. There's some weird things going on in the back end of that. It sounds like Jalen Hurts and Kirby Furman is going to play in this game still. I think it's, so. I think so as well. It hasn't been definitively said. But Miles Sanders to me is just like unquestionably the best back on this offense. And while we have seen, especially this past weekend for the Eagles, most of their business being done in the air, Miles Sanders is the key to everything on the ground, even with Jalen Hurts there when talking about the running backs. And I know Kenny Gainwell last week got some like red zone and inside the 10 yard line usage. I don't care because like when you look at for the entire season, Jalen Hurts is third in the league with 26 rushing attempts inside the 10 yard line. Miles Sanders is fifth in the league with 23 of those eight rushing touchdowns. Now that's only 35% of his team's total carries in that area. Cause basically Jalen hurts gets 40%. He gets 35%. And then the remaining 25% go to everyone else. God, that math was so good, Josh. Uh, and I just think Miles Sanders, even without Lane Johnson at right tackle can get it done against a saints defense who again has been quite good since week seven on defense. But this is, to me, a Philadelphia Eagles team that knows that this is the game for them to play to clinch home field advantage. Yeah, I think Jalen Hurts, they want him to play because if they win this game, they get first uh, a first round bye, and then they'll have two weeks to get healthy. So I don't see them wanting to let this thing linger around. And I think the Saints are very vulnerable, vulnerable right now. Um, nothing really to play for on their end. I did want to bring this up because Reeves wrote it in his worksheet, so it must be true. The Saints are allowing 4.6 yards per play since week seven, the fewest in the league. Over that same period, the Saints have allowed the fewest plays of 20 or more yards, 23. Who Wouldn't have, have thought playing, though? any of that, right? Wouldn't have been thought any of that. Uh, now the Eagles come to town with A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, and Miles Sanders. And he only has one projection in the Pick'em Lobby right now, and it's for that half rushing plus receiving touchdown so let's go to higher on that the miles sanders like you said uh, i'm so over team share metrics yes. and stuff like yeah he only has 35 percent of them yeah but he's still top five because the eagles correct it's it, enough it with the team share stuff oh. it hits differently all right nothing tells me more i think you have one or two names left give me one uh one last name travis Etienne. and this is a shout out to the chat i had him too low in my rankings on yesterday's stream i have since moved him up for all the reasons you guys Mentioned the Jaguars 10th and implied team total at 24 points. Um, just to kind of go over the situation once again, the Titans didn't play their starters because of, of a week 18 matchup against these Jaguars. If they, the Titans were, uh, didn't matter if they lost last night, but uh, if they win next week, they're in the Jaguar situation is different because if they win or if they lose this, this week and, or if they win this week and lose next week, their playoff odds still are at 8% because of the wild card. The Titans weren't eligible for that. The Jaguars are, they're going to be playing their starters regardless Travis Etienne, he has not been good at all, but he's a massive positive regression candidate. He's RB32 in production over the last month of the season, but he's got the wide receiver 10 usage over the last month. Even last week where he got a bunch of carries but didn't find the end zone, he still had uh, two inside the five-yard line touches in that game, so they're still using him in those situations. Uh, Texans dead last against fantasy running backs. They're second highest in neutral run rate in uh allowed so everything's kind of looking uh up for travis Etienne. we've got all the evan ingram games you got your zay jones weeks and stuff we have not got weeks. a travis Etienne. multiple multiple yes. weeks 
We're due for a Travis Etienne week, though, you know? So this is when we're going to cash that in. I agree. Just 72 and a half rushing yards is as high or lower in the pick'em lobby right now. Uh, it doesn't sound like Doug Peterson is going to rest anyone, you know? Like, once they yeah. have this in the bag, it doesn't sound like that's going to happen. Uh, that should be a smash, you know? It really should be. Uh, it's been an interesting development for Travis Etienne, and this isn't talking just about this week. I do wonder if they try to improve heading into next year on Jamichael Hasty, and instead of, you know, like in that sweet spot earlier this year of ETN getting like 13 touches and being hyper explosive off of that and then jumping all the way up to 21, 23, I think even one game he got 25 touches. And like you said, the efficiency has kind of dropped since then. But at the same time, it's all shifted towards Trevor being the one that's carrying everything with a bunch of misdirection close to the line of scrimmage. But just something I want to keep in mind as we approach free agency of if they want to tandem Travis Etienne or lean on him by himself. Yeah, I'm with you. I think he's a home run threat. I think he could be a good home run threat with a little bit more experience and when to bounce things, when not to bounce things. Yeah. But the passing numbers have not really been there for a team that has been passing more. And I think that really fits the the prospect profile that we've kind of talked about with Travis Etienne. I kind of seem like... I mean, if he gets there like Raheem Mostert, you know, where like, give me 15 carries yeah. and then let the another running back handle the other thing. And that's what like going back to early on James Robinson, in theory, before the, the Achilles would have been the ultimate pairing with tra- right. uh, Travis Etienne. I'm with you. I think that they're going to find somebody like that this offseason. So going to be a big debate. I think probably third round again for Travis Etienne. Um, there's a lot of up and coming running backs in the kind of that range. All right. What I'm going to do is this. Pick'em slip that has Miles Sanders, Travis Etienne, Tyler Algier, and Garrett Wilson. I'm going to lock it in for myself. I'm going to pin it in the top of the description. If you enjoyed it, if you like the analysis, if you want to join me on this ride for Week 17, along with your fantasy football championships, hit that link and it will bring up that slip right for you on your app as well couple things to quickly plug. Um, if you are alive for the finals on any best ball tournament on underdog, we have the rostered rates for each tournament, best ball resurrection, big board, all the super flex contests, bulldog Dalmatians. If there's a dog name out there, we oh. have, we have uh, tournaments for you. Uh, and then also NFL playoffs, best ball. I have a strategy column up on underdog network, $1 million tournament uh, there stack teams think about how you're gonna have a a full roster that's five players for super bowl matchups you got to learn the seedings and all that fun stuff but i talk about it on underdog network and there's also a video down below so uh i know that your fantasy season's coming to an end but underdog still has uh stuff for this year and for next year you can also play on underdog fantasy for 2023 drafts the season is not over in may in june now when you're bored and you're just, why aren't any of my friends talking about fantasy football? Go to Underdog Fantasy. You can actually do a draft at any time. There will not be a day where you can't do a 2023 uh, fantasy draft. That is my promise to you. Here we go. Nuke, just for you, just because you asked this question, we'll do a start-sit show 11.30 a.m. Eastern on Sunday. Go for an hour and a half as soon as an act is hit, leading up into kickoff for you, the people, to take the crown home, to win it, to bring it back. And to spend a couple binges on yourself and a nice dinner for you and the fam. All right. That's going to do it for us. Check out the rest of the content. Go and play Pick'em. Go and play Playoffs Best Ball. Do whatever you want on the app. Up the Villa. Thank you, Hayden. We will talk to you all soon. See ya.